Good morning. Would you uh, please uh, stand and join us in singing number 585 in our hymnal, Lord, I am fondly, earnestly um, longing. hour of worship here at Minker Birch Taller Mennonite Church. We pray that you will encounter God this morning and that you would receive the blessings that the Lord has in store for us as we join him in fellowship and bring him our praise, honor, and glory. We also welcome those that will be listening to this broadcast later in the week. We received our first general spring rainfall this week for which we are very thankful. It transformed nature and everything turned luscious and green. It reminds us of what happens when Christ enters our lives and transforms our nature, our being, our course of life, and our eternal destiny. For an opening scripture passage, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse 10 and to the end of the chapter. And my heading reads, The Man of God and the Word of God. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. 
Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture tells us we will endure persecution for our faith. The masses are being deceived as evil prevails. The season for Christian persecution seems to be coming in full measure. Timothy gives us wise instruction. We need to harness the scriptures in order for the man of God to be complete and fully equipped. Let's pray. Lord, we come to your altar with thankful hearts for the divine inspired word of God. As we delve into your word, the scriptures, reveal the truths, correct the error of our way, instruct us in righteous living, and equip us for the task to which we have been ordained. You warned us that evil and deception will grow worse, and they are now at the doorstep, doorstep trying to destroy the Judeo-Christian foundations and the sanctity of life. Lord, help the Christian community to stand against the evils that are being perpetrated and be able to bear persecution when it comes. Deliver us from evil and help us overcome temptation. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please join us in singing, Light of God, Come Dwell Within Your People, and also, Yet Not I, But Christ in Me, and the words will be on the screen. Thank you. 
take your bulletins and we'll look at the concerns and activities of the church. Missionaries of the week are Preston and Meyer Wheeler. Uh, for our delegates, uh, remember the Salem Foundation and uh, annual general meeting is happening on June 26. Church council is happening Tuesday for council members. After the service today, Pastor Dean will be having a service at Cedar Estates, so he may not be around to shake hands this morning. And the church office will be closed on Monday, July 3rd. Uh, expression of sympathy, Heinrich Weeb passed away Friday night. He is the father to Diane Weeb, and funeral arrangements are pending, so remember the Weeb family in prayer. For persons with health needs, in Boundary Trails Health Center, Abe A. Friesen, Carolyn Ham, in Notre Dame, Dave Weeb, Swan Lake Hospital, Mary Duick and John Suderman, at the Red River Valley Lodge in Morris, Rita Friesen, and Don Klippenstein is at home and receiving care. Uh, Boundary Trails Health Center, Spiritual Care is looking for an individual who would be interested in volunteering on Thursday morning devotional time. If you have that gift and want to serve, let the people know. And ask the ushers to come forward. Remember the birthdays and anniversaries, as well as there's a list uh, of residents at Salem, and uh, these people would uh, love a visit, and also uh, prayer support uh, wherever possible. So keep them in mind. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we approach your throne of grace and thank you for being our God and pouring out your bountiful and rich blessings on your people. Lord, we thank you for giving us Jesus, a one-time-for-all sin-atoning sacrifice, redeeming us by his shed blood, rising from the dead, and rewarding us with abundant and eternal life. Forgive us where we have sinned and fallen short, the many things we take for granted, like a warm or cool home, food on the table, the ability to work for friendships and relationships with people, or for the divine wisdom, guidance, direction, and understanding that we are granted daily if we call on your name. Lord, help us overcome evil and temptation when it arises, and may we hallow your name. Lord, we pray the blood of Jesus Christ on lost souls, and pray that today would be the day of their salvation. We lift up our missionaries, Preston and Meyer Wheeler, and pray that you would be the inspiration in their leadership ministry at Power to Change. May they raise up leaders and spiritual giants. Lord, we have many people with health needs, and we pray that your touch of healing on Abe Friesen, Carolyn Ham, Dave Weeb, Mary Duick, John Suderman, Rita Friesen, Don Klippenstein, and others within our church and community. Give patience and make your presence known to those who are struggling with loneliness and mental illness. Be the God of strength, peace, and compassion to those who are grieving and facing a difficult future, and especially the Henry Huib family in the loss of a loved one. Lord, we pray for your love and protection on the residents and staff at Salem Home, and particularly those affiliated with our church we pray for understanding relationships that nurture happiness and joy. We pray for all our church staff that they would adjust and adapt to the change that is happening and that they would experience cohesiveness and network as a team. 
We pray for wisdom, guidance, leadership, and direction for the various meetings happening this week. May your will be done. Lord, we present your offering. May you bless and multiply the gifts and tithes, and may they serve to build your kingdom. We thank you for each participant that is serving in this morning's worship service. May you bless them for their service and their willingness to serve. May you guide and direct Pastor Dean as he expounds on the topic of growing deeper in the Lord. And may it become our desire to follow that example. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to uh, 18. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we command ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, and even in our gospel. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as our, your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of, of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We are always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that this life may be revealed in our mortal bodies, so that death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Greg Glory is a pastor in Southern California. 
Wikipedia says this, Greg Laurie, born on December the 10th, 1952, is an American evangelical author, pastor, and evangelist who serves as a senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship based in Riverside, California. He is also founder of Harvest Crusade. Laurie is also the subject of the 2023 film Jesus Revolution, which tells the story how he converted to Christianity and got started in the ministry in the midst of the spiritual awakening known as the Jesus Revolution, close quote. Greg Laurie grew up in a home where the gospel was never heard, never heard anything of the gospel. He turned to Christ in high school when he heard the gospel for the first time. Later on, he was able to lead his mom to Christ as well as his stepfather. Nothing is more critical than for believers to be able to lead their loved ones to Jesus Christ. That is the mission that we have. That is the mission that you have. And unless we reach those people for Christ, they are lost. Greg periodically posts up store, uh, uh, follow-up stories on the internet, and I want to play one about his stepfather, where he surrenders, his stepfather surrenders his life to Christ. So listen clo closely as this video plays. Um, it is entitled, titled, After Jesus' Revolution, What Happened When I Found My Father? What happened in real life? I already told you uh, in another post that my mother came to Christ later in her life. So what about my dad who adopted me? So I was a young pastor. Our church was just beginning. I was in my very early 20s. My son Christopher had been born. And I wondered, whatever happened to my dad? So uh, I, I found someone that worked for the Bar Association because he was an attorney, and she tracked him down. This is before Google. <laughs> so I get his number, and I call his office in New Jersey, where he's now living. He's remarried, has a new family. And I called his office. And I said, hi, uh, is Oscar Lorian? And his secretary said, no, he's out at lunch. Can I ask who's calling? I said, yes, it's Greg Laurie. And she said, how do you spell your last name? I said, the same way he spells his, this is his son. I quickly got a call back and Oscar said, Greg, it's so good to hear from you. Well, as it turns out, I was going to New York and I was going to be preaching there in Central Park. And I said, maybe we could meet. He goes, yes, come and stay at our house. I didn't think he'd want me to come stay at his house, maybe just have lunch. Come stay at our house, please come. And so I preached in Central Park. I was there with Kathy and my son Christopher. We got on a train, arrived in New Jersey. He was waiting for us. And, you know, he looked just like I remembered him. So we spent the night catching up on all that had happened in my life since then. Well, Oscar had remarried uh, a woman named Barbara, beautiful woman, great cook. She made us a fantastic Italian meal, sausage, and pasta, all that good Italian food. And uh, so she asked me, Greg, tell me how you became a Christian. And it's so funny because my dad sitting on the other end of the table, remember he's an attorney, so he's been in many courtrooms. He's literally sitting like this, this listening, not reacting. Barbara's reacting to everything I'm saying. He's just sitting like this, listening. And so I thought, wow, I don't think he loves what I'm saying. He was a very intelligent man. He would read thick books. He would read a history book in one week and then move on to another, always reading, always learning, really an intellectual man, a very good man and a moral man, I might say. 
And so he listens to this conversation. And then uh, afterwards, as we're getting ready to go to bed, he goes, Greg, will you walk with me in the morning? Now, I left out one thing. As it turns out, he had had a heart attack uh, just two weeks before I called him, and he almost died. He blacked out behind his steering wheel and ran into a pole. So now he's on heart medication. He has to walk every morning. So he said, will you walk with me in the morning? I said, sure, Dad. So I get a knock on my door at 6 in the morning, New Jersey time, 3 o'clock in the morning, California time. I roll out of bed. I'm wiping the sleep out of my eyes. The brisk New Jersey air envelops us as we're walking along. And my dad says, Greg, I listened very carefully to what you said last night about Jesus. I said, right. And he said, I want to accept Jesus Christ into my life right now. Boy, did I wake up fast. I said, uh, what? He says, yes, I want to accept Jesus Christ right now. I said, well, Dad, let me go over it one more time, okay? So I went over the whole thing again. He says, yes, I want to accept Jesus Christ right now. What do I need to do? I said, well, we need to pray. Now, remember, we're walking the whole time. We're walking through a park. He drops to his knees. I wasn't going to drop to my knees, but since he did, I did too. So we're on our knees and I lead him in this prayer to ask Christ to come into his life. It was incredible. One of the most amazing conversions I've ever seen. Right after we prayed, he said, Greg, pray for my heart. Pray God heals my heart. I said, well, I don't know if God will heal your heart, but we can pray. So we pray for him to be healed. After we're done praying, he says, Greg, my doctor is not far from here. His office is right over there. Let's go see him. I want to tell him my heart is healed. I said, Dad, we don't know if your heart's healed. Well, let's go see my doctor. So we go into his doctor's office, a nice Jewish man. And he says uh, to the doctor, Doc, this is my son, Greg, from California. He's a preacher. And I just prayed and asked Jesus to come into my life. And my heart is healed. I'm thinking, oy vey, what is this doctor thinking? The doctor says, now ask her. We don't know about that. We have to run some tests on you first. They ran tests on my father. The heart condition that he had was gone. God, it actually healed him. I had 15 more years with my dad. He grew spiritually. He worked with the Gideons, distributing Bibles. He became an elder in his church. Just one of the most amazing things I ever have seen. And so in the movie, you just see Greg longing for his father, but in real life, Greg found his father, and Oscar then explained to me the family crest, Lori. It's a Scottish name. It means it buds afresh, and it's a tree that's been cut down, blooming again. And that really was a picture of my life. It had been cut down through all the things that happened to me as a child, but it grew again when I became a follower of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you some more stories of other characters in the film in our next time together. That is what the Christian life is all about. It's about telling others about Jesus Christ, about the faith that we have, the transformation that has happened in our lives, and about passing it on to others. This morning in part two of the Christian ministry is sharing the gospel. We want to look at three more principles. The last message we looked at, Christian ministry is sharing the gospel, number one, as seen in Paul's conduct. It's in his conduct. It's in his life. And we looked at those first six verses, one through six. Let me just briefly recap that. God has given the ministry to every believer that brings a change, life, salvation, peace, joy, and eternal life. The ministry is sharing the gospel with other people. 
people who have not heard or people who have heard and have not made a decision for Christ. It is why Jesus came and we can share this glorious message with others because it is a glorious message. It is the only message that can transform people's lives and change them for all eternity. When we leave this world, we cannot take anything out of here except one thing. And the thing is not a thing that we can take out of this world. It is people and only people that we can take from this world. And it is only as we share the gospel with others that lives will be changed. When we leave this world, it's going to happen one day. And for some of us, it's going to be sooner than later. The Apostle Paul gave this his life to preach the gospel. And because he did, he went out planting churches. And people became the recipients. And you and I, somewhere down the line, have become recipients of the gospel because people have been faithful, faithful in sharing the gospel with the rest, with the next generation. And which generation are we going to share the gospel with? It's going to be the next generation. And it can't skip a generation because it will be all over. We too must follow this pattern and conduct our lives to tell many people as possible about Jesus Christ. This week, we come to the second point of the Christian ministry is sharing the gospel. Number two, as seen in the way Paul handles suffering, verses 7 through 11. Christian ministry of sharing the gospel as seen in the way Paul handled suffering, verses 7 through 11. Let's look at 7 through 9 right now. But we have this treasure of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. What is this treasure that we have as believers? It is Jesus Christ residing in us. His power, his nature, his control in our lives. The Lord dwelt in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, but today he lives within the believer's heart. And if you are a believer today, he lives within you. There is nothing special about the believer except that the believer is made in the image of God. Compared to what indwells the believer, he is considered a jar of clay, for that's what we are, a jar of clay, a vessel that will not last for eternity without Christ. The sooner we realize that, the sooner we will be able to stand back and let the glory of the Lord shine through our lives. It is not about us. It's all about the Lord, about him living in us, him shining through us, him reaching people, and him receiving the glory. Jars made of clay are often minor of minor importance but they can hold precious commodities. 
A little jar can contain perfume that can turn people's heads when it is open. It contains medication that will help bring healing to people. And so in one way, we are like clay vessels. We contain the change that is needed for people. Our lives should do the same because Christ has made the difference in our lives. If he lives in us and we live a life surrendered to the obedience of God, then everyone will see the all-surpassing power of Christ. And that's what we want as individuals, that people will see Christ in our lives. We must also realize that living for Christ will not be easy. However, the good news is that even though we may be buffeted from every direction, God will never let us go through anything he will not sustain us in or he that will not that he will give us the power to live through it that's why paul said we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed we're hard pressed on every side but we are not crushed too often when things are going not going the way we think they should, we want to give up instead of saying, okay, Lord, what are you trying to accomplish in my life through this difficulty and this problem that you have allowed to come into my life? But we don't think of that. When the problems come, we say, why me? Have we not all said that? Why me? Why me? Instead of, God, what are you trying to accomplish? What do you want to show within my life? How can I lift you up so that people will see you? About two weeks ago, I met a man who lost his brother in an accident and his father to a fatal disease two years ago. As we were talking, he said this to me, I have heard people say that God will never let us go through anything we can't handle. But if that is true, then we would not need the Lord. God always allows us to go through more than we can take in life, which is why we need him. And I was amazed at this individual. He was above, he, matter of fact, he was 36 years old because he shared that with me. And I said, you know, I agree with you 100%. And that is so true. God always puts more on our plate than we can handle so that we will have to trust him. Always more. Because if we didn't have more, we would run our own way and we could solve our problems ourselves. But they are impossible without God. Ask yourself the question, what are you going through right now that you cannot handle in your strength? Have you prayed about your problem? Have you prayed about the hardship? Have you prayed about the difficulty? Have you brought it before the Lord? Have you just done it more than just once in a bypass with the Lord? Oh, yes, I have this problem. Can you help me? And then you never pray about it again. Have you honestly brought it before the Lord? Life is too hard to live with the Lord, without the Lord 
whether in bad times or good times. And I say that whether in bad times or good times, because sometimes the good times turn into bad times. And you know how that happens? We get our eyes off the Lord, and then those good times turn into the bad times. Nothing is worse than getting our eyes off Christ. Listen to what Paul says in verses 11 through 12. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work at work in you. In these verses, Paul says that they, the team that he is traveling with, always face the potential of losing their lives while they are preaching the gospel. There was the potential. They faced suffering, persecution. They were beaten. They were chased from community to community, not only from community to community, but from country to country as they went to share the gospel. However, this is so that Christ's life will be seen in our lives. When a believer is under pressure, this is when Christ will be seen in their lives. Christ is not seen in our lives during the good times. Everybody can live through the good times. Nothing is needed. But what is needed is in the midst of hurricanes, when there is a place for us and a shelter and Jesus gives it to us and he is shown to be our shield, our rock, and our sustainer in those times. My cousin would tell me, anyone can run a business when times are good. However, when times are hard, only fully committed and trained people will remain in business when the tough times are over and they will be sustained through those times. But those individuals who don't have it, they don't make it through the tough times. Paul and his team handled suffering by faithfully trusting Jesus every step of the way. This allowed them to be the examples of what the power of God could do in their lives and to tell others about Jesus Christ and to tell others about Jesus. Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. That's why Christ allows us to go to hardships and persecutions and difficulties so that we reflect Christ and will be able to tell others about Jesus Christ. Now we come to the third principle. Christian ministry is sharing the gospel. Number three, as seen in where Paul placed his hope. Verses 13 through 15. Christian ministry is sharing the gospel as seen in where Paul placed his hope. Paul had his hope. That's what kept him going. Listen, verse 13 says, It is written, I believe, therefore I've spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. 
All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So what is the hope that enabled Paul to keep on sharing the gospel in suffering? What is that hope? Here Paul quotes Psalm 116, verse 10. I believe, therefore I said, I am greatly afflicted. In this psalm, the psalmist cries out to God to deliver him from death because he is greatly tormented. In verse 12, he asks how he can repay God for all the good the Lord has done for him. That is because the Lord sustained him and answered his prayer. In the same way, Paul relied upon the Lord to sustain him and answer his prayers when everything was going amok, when everything was going horrible, and everything was turning against Paul. Paul knew that God could deliver him because one of because of the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Everything that Paul believed in was based on the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died, he paid the price for our sins, and he arose from, and he rose from the grave. He conquered death and declared everyone who is born again righteous before God, dressed in God's righteousness. Therefore, every believer who dies will be raised to life again. And Paul knew this. Paul knew this, and he stood upon the hope that was given to him. According to verse 13, all the suffering and hardship that Paul was experiencing was for the Corinthians' benefit. That's why God allowed him to go through the difficulties so that the Corinthians would look at his life and they would say, well, if God can do it for him, he will do it for us also. God's grace touched more and more people's lives, which caused more thanksgiving and brought more glory for God, or to God. As Paul shared the gospel everywhere that he went, he set two examples. First, he demonstrated to the Corinthian believers that they must share the gospel and lead others to Christ. That's what he was showing them. You must share the gospel. You must lead others to Christ. It's not an option. It's something that we are called to do. Second, their hope, which is the Corinthians, need to be anchored in Christ because that will sustain them when they suffer. We need the hope because if we have no hope, it's all over. It is hope that keeps us going, but hope in Jesus Christ. Now we come to the fourth and last principle. Christian ministry is sharing the gospel, number four, as seen in what Paul focused upon. Christian ministry is sharing the gospel, number four, as seen in what Paul focused upon. Verses 16 through 18. Let me read those verses for you one more time. Therefore, we do not lose heart. 
Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And it's hard for us to comprehend the eternal when we have not been there. But truly, we have been in the physical, and we have placed our faith in physical things, and we know what happens. They dissipate one day. They're gone. They're here for a while. Sometimes I go on YouTube, and I look at preceding actors who have lived before. I remember watching them when I was young, and they were young and beautiful. And now you look at them, and they look horrible because they're fading away. And you and I are in the same boat. We're all fading away. And we look in the mirror. I get up in the morning, and I do say to myself, I don't look so good anymore. Have you ever said that to yourself? And I think most of us have somewhere down the line. And we know that this world is not going to last. And I've said this to people already. You know, now that I'm in my 60s, I've said, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Meaning, I realize I'm not going to be here much longer. And I could be gone anytime. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're just here for a brief jog. And it is coming to an end quicker than what we think. And then we will enter eternity. Paul fully understood that to minister and to tell others about Christ, suffering would be involved. He understood that. You will suffer, whether it's rejection or people won't have anything to do with you. And right now, we still have the liberty of telling other people without severe consequences. But those consequences are going to be coming maybe sooner than what you and I think they will be coming. And we have this light. We have this gap that is open for us to make use of it and to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Here the Apostle Paul focuses on the fact that with great suffering comes great reward. With great suffering comes great reward. Since Paul was an apostle, did not mean that he was immune from discouragement. When Titus could not show up to meet him in, in Troas in chapter 2, verse 13, that we looked at previously, Paul was deeply disturbed because he didn't know what had happened to him. He was wondering what happened to his brother. No one knew about it, but he didn't show. Then Paul says in the previous verses, verses 8 and 9, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despaired, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. Here Paul acknowledges the discouragement that he faced and he would continue to face. He was realistic and did not try to hide the hardships of telling others about Christ. 
It meant suffering for him. It meant persecution. It meant being beaten with rods. It meant being stoned. It meant being rejected by the rest of society. After Paul has described many of the hardships of following Christ, he then says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Indeed, if we only look at our situation in this world, we will become discouraged. After all, we're all getting older and we're all wasting away. However, on the other hand, God is renewing us day by day, and we are renewed when we are in the Scriptures. That's how we're renewed. That's how we're encouraged. Sometimes we're encouraged by other believers, and that is important and that is good. But far more important is to get in the Word and to get that encouragement from the Lord, and then to go out and encourage other people how you have received the encouragement. How important it is, is that we're getting it from the Lord. However, we all need one another and we need to encourage one another. In an article entitled, I Stand by the Door, Sam Shoemaker says, there are in every situation two factors. There's what happens, and here is how we take what happens. How we handle what happens goes back to what kind of person we are and what type of belief we have about life as a whole. He goes on to say, if the whole scheme of life is not a scheme at all but chaos, if there is no thread of purpose running through it at all but only confusion, then our misfortunes are just a part of a general mess. If, we, if God is, pardon me, if God is and if life is his creation with meaning in the middle of it, then we may have hope to discover a pattern which we both give coherence to all and help to interpret any one event that is in, pardon me, that is in the unfoldment, close quote. That is exciting because Paul says that all light and momentary affliction is producing us a weight of glory beyond all comparison. I want you to think about that. We can try to comprehend. I can just say this one thing. Have you ever had the opportunity to do something and to work something and you did it half-heartedly only to cross the line to say to yourself, if I would have known this, I would have done a lot more. I want you to think about that. The day that we cross the line to meet Christ face to face, many of us will say, I can say for myself, I should have had done more when I had the opportunity. Instead, I sat idle or I did something else. And we will be very disappointed when we stand before the Lord in heaven. The most important thing that we can do is take opportunity that is given for us today. And we have that own opportunity that is just for a short while 
and then it is gone. It is gone. I was looking at some books on Logos, and they were some commentaries by Warren Worsby. They were on sale, and they were for $100, all of a set, and I put it on there, and I looked, and I said, I will get to it later. The next day when I went, the price had gone up. They were $365. What an opportunity I missed. I wanted that. I needed it. I could have used it, but I sat, and I didn't take hold of the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunities that are given to you in relation to you, to, to you meeting people and your loved ones who do not know the gospel. You have a short time left, you and I, and the short time is getting shorter because our days and our lives are getting shorter. And to take that moment, that opportunity to share the gospel with others. So our focus should not be on our hardships, but on eternal things. Once again, Paul emphatically declares in verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's eternal. It will last forever. Margaret Clarkson says this, in an article entitled The Banner, pain is pain and sorrow is sorrow. It hurts, it limits, it's impoverished, it isolates, it restrains, it works devastation deep within the person, personality. It circumscribes in a thousand different ways. There is nothing good about it, but the gifts God can give with it are the richest the human spirit can know. And with suffering comes the greatest gifts and the greatest opportunities that we ha that can have for the kingdom of God. In all our trouble, God builds the character and perseverance, faith and trust in each one of us. So also add all we shall inherit when we enter heaven. 1 Corinthians 2.9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Therefore, every pain and hardship undertaken for Christ will be worth it. Every pain and hardship taken for Christ will be worth it, worth it. As we can see from Paul's life, when he faced discouragement, he focused on the unseen, which is the eternal, pardon me, <clears throat> rather than the things that were seen, which were temporary. Remember, both pleasures down here and suffering in this world are fleeting. So the pleasures that you experience here are for a short time. And the suffering that you experience is for a short time. And then it's over. And what we do for Christ, that is what will last. 
One of the things that will last for all eternity is not a thing, as I said before, at all. It's not a thing. Rather, the people we introduce to Christ is all that we can take out of this world. We must never lose sight of the fact that Christian ministry is sharing the gospel. Christian ministry is sharing the gospel. It is a gift as well as a responsibility that is imparted to every believer. It is imparted to you and to me and to the next person who sits beside you who is a believer. Perhaps you're here today and you think to yourself, well, how do I even share the gospel? Because I've really never shared the gospel with anyone. I get tongue-tied when I try to speak. Have you, has that happened to you? It certainly has happened to me. And you want to do something good and you want to say something, it comes out wrong, the discussion is over, and you say, well, is it worth it? Yes, it is worth it because in the midst, God is still preparing you. Every Thursday at noon, we meet at the clubhouse on Willow Drive where we learn and we learn practical ways on how to share our faith. Not complicated, not difficult, but simple ways. Come and join us. Give the church office a phone call. Say that you want to be part and learn. And maybe some other who, others who come will learn some things from you and vice versa. And right now we're going through um, some information, uh, uh, teachings from uh, Preston Wheeler, one of our missionaries, who helped develop some of the foundational stuff where this material comes from on how to share your faith with your neighbor. I encourage you to give a call to the office and call us and say you want to come. And it's Thursday at 12 o'clock one more time. It's at the clubhouse on Willow Drive. You will not be disappointed. Would you please stand for our closing song, Be Strong in the Lord. strong in the Lord and be of good courage. Your mighty defender is always the same. Mount up with wings as the eagles ascending. Victory is sure when you call on his name. Be strong, be strong, be strong. Oh 
Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the day that you have given us, a day to worship and praise you. And Lord, thank you that in your word you have shared all that is required for us to live a holy life and to bring glory to you. I pray, Father, that you would teach us on how we can share our faith with others. Lord, help us to realize that we have the greatest message in all the world, and that is Jesus Christ died and rose again and is coming back once again for every person who has placed their faith in him. Now the Apostle Paul, uh, pardon me, Moses says in Numbers chapter 6, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Be strong in the Lord.